chapter which we read, Galatians chapter 1, we shall read again verses 15 and 16. Galatians 1 verses 15 and 16. That when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. But when it pleased God, the church in Galatia was founded by the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey. When things are healthy, there's a wonderful relationship between a minister and his congregation. In chapter 4 and verse 14, we read that when the apostle came amongst the Galatians, they received him as an angel from heaven. They gave him the best welcome possible. They listened intently to what he had to say, as if he were a messenger straight from God. And of course, in a sense, he was a messenger from God. In verse 15 of chapter 4, he says that if it was possible, they would have plucked out their very eyes and given them to him. What is more precious than your eyes? How we protect our eyes. If there's any danger, any fear, our hand goes up to our face, to our eyes, as that most vulnerable part of our body, so precious. All the things we can see with our eyes, all that we can do because we can see. And yet they would have plucked out their very eyes and given them to the Apostle Paul because they loved him so much and appreciated the great message of salvation which he brought to them. Chapter 4 and verse uh, 19, he says, My little children. That's the way Paul spoke of the Galatians, as if they were his little ones, his children, his precious ones. Sometimes a minister's relationship to his congregation is described as a marriage. And there are certainly some comparisons there. The, the bond, the love, the relationship. But sadly, something came in to mar this marriage. Some trouble came in amongst the Galatians to cause problems. False teachers came amongst them who started to say, not, what, not everything that Paul says is right. You mustn't listen too much to that old man Paul. He's not accurate in what he says. He's not right in the gospel that he's preaching. He's not telling you the whole truth. He doesn't know it all. And they began to say, you not only have to believe in Jesus, but you have to keep the law. And the ceremonies, you've got to be circumcised. It's not enough 
to put your trust in Calvary's cross. People will not be saved simply by exercising faith in the Lord Jesus. You also need to be circumcised and you need to keep the law and the commandments and the rules and the rituals and the ceremonies. So what the Apostle says in chapter 1 verse 6, right at the very beginning of his letter, verses 1 to 5 are the words of greeting. And then he gets stuck in right away to what he has to say to them. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel which is not another it's not a true gospel but it's a distortion it's a heresy it's a false religion I marvel I'm surprised it amazes me says the apostle when I see how you have turned you were so close you were rejoicing in the gospel you received me so well and you accepted my message and you loved me so much and you loved the truth that I was bringing to you and now You've departed from all this so quickly. And then the Apostle Paul starts to tell how he came to have this gospel. You see, the false teachers, those who were leading the church in Galatia astray, they were arguing that Paul wasn't a genuine apostle. He was somebody who came later. He didn't have the same authority. He couldn't be trusted in the same way. He had just learned his message from other people or came up with the ideas himself. And the apostle goes on to explain that although he wasn't one of the original twelve, yet he was called and appointed by God. And so he gives us in this chapter a little bit of his own testimony and it's that testimony that I would like us to concentrate on today there's important teaching in it for us and as a preacher my duty is to teach to explain to make known to communicate the truth and also to seek to apply that truth to your lives and to my own But when it pleased God, the first thing that I want us to notice in this little bit of Paul's testimony is God's plan. But when it pleased God, those who argue against election and against the plan of God have to ignore lots and lots of verses of Scripture. Right through the Scripture, you have this teaching that God is sovereign, that he is in control, that he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. He has planned it all. Calvinism is not the invention of John Calvin in the 16th century, or even the invention of Augustine in the early church. Calvinism is the teaching of scripture from the beginning to the end. Indeed, God can.
cannot be God unless he is in total control and he cannot be in total control unless he foreordains whatsoever comes to pass. God cannot know the future unless the future is fixed. Not even God can know what will happen tomorrow unless it is determined what is going to happen tomorrow. How can God know what's going to happen tomorrow if what is going to happen tomorrow depends on tomorrow and on people tomorrow and is not fixed beforehand? It's got to be fixed before you can know the future. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, some people might think that what the Apostle is speaking about here is natural birth, that he was separated from his mother's womb. He was taken out of his mother's womb. And that the Apostle is speaking here of God's providential care. Now that was certainly there. And the Apostle rejoiced in the fact that God looked after him from the point of his conception, through his birth, and every day of his life, right up to the end. But the idea that is here is not that God providentially looked after him at the point of his birth. The idea is rather that he was separated to a special task. He was set apart from his mother's womb, from birth, yes, and even before his birth, from conception, once he had become an entity. And we must remember that the human fetus is a person with whom God relates and has a soul and right from his mother's womb from the very point of his conception Paul was separated set apart sanctified in that sense for a great ministry indeed from all eternity the apostle was set apart by God remember in Romans 9 now he says concerning Jacob and Esau even before the children were born and before they had done good and evil it was said the elder shall serve the younger Jacob have I loved but Esau have I hated before they were born before they had done good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand he has mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will he hardens. Ephesians 1 verse 4 Chosen in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. Chosen to be holy before the world was founded. Before creation. Before anything existed but God alone. God before the beginning was chose a people for himself 
chosen in him before the foundation of the world that we should be, be holy. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Paul was chosen to be holy, but he was also chosen to be an apostle. Him that worketh all things according to the counsel of his own will. Ephesians 1 verse 11. According to the counsel, the determination, the plan, the, the idea that he had himself, the, the, the blueprint that he had drawn up. Him who worketh all things according to the counsel of his own will. Let us remember God has a plan. And in that plan, we all have a place and a part and a role, a position. That plan is not a barrier to our seeking the Lord. It shouldn't keep us from God, but rather should encourage us to seek the Lord and to get to know him and to put our trust in him who is so mighty so sovereign, so powerful and great. And this great powerful one says, seek me. And he doesn't say, seek me in vain. Those who seek him will not seek him in vain. Those who seek him will find him. Yet, if we do seek him, we know who to thank. It's not ourselves but him who put that desire in our hearts. Because the sad fact about men and women in the world and experience should teach us that every day of our lives. The sad fact is, as the psalm puts it, there is none that seeketh after God. Look throughout the whole world, in every part of the world, and in every corner of society, Romans 3 says, quoting the psalm, there is none that seeketh after God. What about the religions? Is that not a seeking after God? The Islamic religion and the, Muslim, the, the Hindu religion, the Buddhist religion, are they not seeking after God? No, they're not seeking after God, but what they are doing is distorting the knowledge of God and departing from God and seeking after anybody but the true God. And there is that tendency in man's nature to run away from God and to make a God for himself. Instead of worshipping and serving the Creator, they worship and serve the creature. The creature of their own imagination. And so the scripture says, there is none that seeketh after God by nature. The only ones who seek after God are the ones into whose heart God has put that desire. Do you seek after God? Do you have any desire to find God? Do you want to be saved? If you do, thank God for that desire. It's God who gave it to you. And you have there an encouragement that from all eternity God has chosen you to be holy and he has put, put that desire in your heart seek him and find him but remember this if you have no desire in your heart after God your situation is very very dangerous 
man by nature is dead in trespass and sins and the dead person seeks for nothing it's a very dangerous situation to be in to be on the broad road to a lost eternity without God without hope and, with, and without a care So the first thing that I want us to notice from Paul's testimony here is that God had a plan for the Apostle Paul. And if we are amongst his people, if we are Christians, we rejoice in God's plan for us. And whoever we are, we recognize that God has a plan that includes every man and woman in this world and everything that he has created. It all is a place in God's plan. Not one hair of your head falls to the ground without his notice, his interest, his plan. God's plan. The second thing is God's call. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace. Paul was born in Tarsus. And then he was educated in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the leading Jewish rabbis or professors of theology. He was a very enthusiastic type of man with great intellectual gifts and a very strong and determined will. He received the best education. He learned the Old Testament and he studied in depth the Jewish traditions and the rabbinic teachings. He was a very zealous Jew and enthusiastic about his religion very devout, very dedicated. In verse 13 he says, For you have heard of my conversation, the old English word meaning lifestyle, you have heard of my lifestyle in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. profited in the Jews' religion above many mine own, my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Not only did he learn the traditions, but he was zealous, and he was a persecutor. When the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was stoned to death, Saul was there, Saul of Tarshish. He was involved. And after that, he became more determined. Arresting, imprisoning, beating up the Christians in Jerusalem, and at last, in his great zeal to eradicate the Christian church, to destroy from off the earth the followers of Jesus Christ, 
he had received authority from the chief priests and elders to go to Jerusalem and to imprison any who were of that way, of the Jewish way, of, the, of, the, of Jesus' way, the Christian way. He was working out his own salvation and he thought that it pleased God for him to destroy Christians. But notice what happened. But when it pleased God, these are great words, when it pleased God, in God's time, when God planned that it would happen, the hour came, the time for God to begin in a very special way in Paul's life. It was planned from all eternity, but now it was fulfilled. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and set me apart to be a Christian and to be a preacher of his word, he called me by his grace. There was power in that call. You remember how they were walking along the road to Damascus and it was about noon the sun was at its brightest when suddenly there was a light far far brighter than the sun bright though the sun is in the Middle East there was a light far brighter than the sun a glory shone down and it was so bright that the apostle knew it was supernatural. It was frightening. He fell on his knees and he heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Lord, what will you have me to do? Go into Damascus, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. God's call. It was urgent, it was dramatic, it was decisive, it couldn't be ignored. It was a call that came with grace, called me by his grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's undeserved. The effectual call is not deserved. It's not earned. But also, there's another idea in grace. The idea of sovereign grace. Freely bestowed. Coming from the great Lord. The call. Freely bestowed. We've got to remember that God is calling people. He calls all men everywhere to repent. Calls every one of you, calls the people of Portree, calls the people of Sky, calls the people right across the world and every nation to repentance and to faith. 
the general call of the gospel. And you've heard that call since childhood. You hear it Sunday after Sunday, year after year. But it's a call that you ignore until one day it becomes an effectual call. Until one day he calls you by his grace with a powerful call, a call that can no longer be forgotten or ignored. You have to face up to it. A call that comes with power and demands an answer and then there's a change. Paul saw a light. He heard a voice and he saw a person. He saw Jesus in his resurrection body. That was very unusual. A Damascus Road conversion. It's not the kind of conversion that everyone has. Indeed, it was unique to the Apostle Paul. There's a sense in which every Christian's conversion is unique. And that's why it's so interesting to hear people's testimonies. Because you see the special way in which God works in different people's lives. Everyone is different. And God treats everyone in a different way. But Paul's conversion was special. Even though every conversion is different, there was something special about Paul's. He was, you see, being called to be an apostle. And therefore he had to see the risen Lord. That was one of the essentials of apostleship. To see Jesus Christ in his resurrection body with his physical eyes. The apostles were witnesses of the resurrection. Nowadays, some people have very dramatic conversions. Sometimes they see a light or they hear a voice or they see a dream or a vision or they get some fright these are the more unusual conversions. The more usual way is that God speaks to them through his word, through their conscience or their memory, through a sermon, or in some way brings the message of the gospel to bear upon their life and makes them realize the truth of the gospel, shakes them out of their complacency awakens a sense of sin and of guilt and of wrath, God's wrath against them and of their need to be converted and opens their eyes to see Jesus Christ as the Savior, as the Messiah so that they put their faith and trust in him. All our lives we're hearing the call of the gospel when it becomes an effectual call it is successful where past in the past it was a failure 
There is power in the call, and people must respond to it. The dead hear the voice of the Son of God, and those that hear shall live. Dead in trespasses and sins. But the voice penetrates. It reaches through the deaf ears, reaches into the heart of stone, and warms that stony heart so that it begins to live and shakes that ear and forms it so that it can hear that ear that has been so deaf to God's word before and opens these dull, cold, stony eyes so that they begin by faith to see. And that body which was just a heap of bones, that body spiritually is resurrected. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are resurrected to newness of life. Planted in Christ Jesus, a new plant, a new person, a new body. The old man is dead and the new man has arisen. power of the effectual call when it pleased God planned from all eternity the time comes when God calls the appointed time has that time come in your life when it pleased God has it pleased God to reveal his son in you Has it pleased God to save your soul? Or are you still a spiritually lifeless corpse? A heap of dead bones with a heart like a lump of stone when it comes to God. No love for him. No care for him, no faith in him, no joy in him. A heart of stone. Are you still dead in trespasses and sins? When it pleased God. It's a wonderful thing when the time comes. Or that the time would be today for some of you. How often God speaks through a sermon, through the reading of the scriptures, when it pleased God. Oh, that it would please God to open your ears today, to hear his voice, to hear his call, so that you would turn from your sins. Just as the Apostle Paul was turned on the Damascus road, no longer carrying on on your sinful pathway, but stopping, changing direction, and going in the opposite way. When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, Oh, seek the Lord. Seek him for yourself. 
seek him today and you will find him and then thirdly I would like you to see the revelation of God to reveal his son in me God's revelation has two parts to it it involved first revealing the son to Paul revealing Jesus to, to Paul previously Paul saw Jesus as a heretic a disturber of the peace a destroyer of the Jewish nation and of the traditions which he had received from the elders but now he is convicted of his sin he feels his guilt he's afraid because he realizes that he has been fighting against God and destroying the followers of Jesus Christ he has been trying to keep the law and yet he knows he has failed to keep the law he feels the pangs of conscience he feels a sense of need he feels ashamed in the presence of God he tries hard he is zealous and yet he is a sinner he is guilty <coughs> the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ the law shows us our sin and our guilt we've got to come to Christ he's the only answer unless we come to Christ we will be condemned to reveal his son in me there's the Apostle Paul in Damascus the light has gone out of his eyes he's blind he's fasting he's praying he's guilty he's aware of his sin he's crying for mercy days pass he's in great distress he thought he was keeping the law but he's convinced now that he has failed and the law is condemning him as a sinner but God sent along to him Ananias brother Saul receive your sight arise and be baptized washing away your sins in the name of Christ and the blood of Jesus believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him with your mouth and you will be saved has God revealed his son to you has he revealed to you your own wicked heart and shown to you your own sinful life or are you blind to your faults has he opened your eyes to see the blessed Messiah the Savior dying on the cross for your sins that's the first part of the revelation revealing Jesus to Paul the second part is revealing Jesus through Paul to reveal his son in me and to reveal his son through me Paul's life was changed he was made new he was saved he was born again and Paul's conversion was amazing and people were saying just think of it this man who persecuted the church this man who was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord and now look at him 
He's preaching Jesus. He's associating with these Christians. He's turned his back upon the chief priests and the elders and the scribes and the important people of the Jewish nation. And he's joined with the rabble, with the mob, with the uneducated, with the fishermen of Galilee. Paul, what's happened? I met Jesus. I met him on the Damascus Road. Jesus changed my life. He gave me a whole new direction. He gives me a purpose which I never had before. Peace in my heart, forgiveness for my sins, salvation, the hope of everlasting life, and a message for a lost world. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately, Paul began going out with that message of the gospel to a heathen world. (coughs) Paul was a preacher and an apostle. That was God's great plan for him. And he labored more abundantly than all the other apostles. It wasn't a man's gospel that he received. He got it directly from God. Jesus met him and gave it to him. And that's why he's saying to the Galatians, No I, or an angel from heaven, or any other man preach any other gospel to you, let him be accursed. This gospel came straight from the mouth of God himself. Paul was called to be a preacher. But each of us, are called to be witnesses. Maybe not a public preacher in the church, but we're all called to be preachers in our own lives. Called to part with our sins, to trust in Christ, and to go out as fishers of men, to gather in others, as reapers in the harvest fields, with a message of the Son of God. That's our message, to reveal the Son to preach Christ, to tell people of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who died on a cross 2,000 years ago, rose again the third day, today is on the throne in heaven, and very soon will be coming again to judge the world, who is mighty to save, who can save even unto the uttermost those who come unto God by him. Are you a preacher? Are you a reaper in the harvest fields? Are you a fisher of men? They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars in heaven forever and ever. He that winneth souls is wise. Have we listened to the call Has God's time come in our lives? Are we now living as those who have responded to the effectual call, showing forth Christ in our daily lives? Let us pray. Lord, we pray that our lives would speak of Christ and what he has done for us. That people would see the change 
that they would contrast us with themselves, that we would be holy. For does it not say in thy word, chosen in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy? Help us, Lord, to be holy and to live godly lives and grant too that with our words not just with our lives but with our words we would commend Christ to others and that they would come to appreciate the Saviour because of us Lord work in our lives in the lives of each one of us here and in the lives of the many in our community who need thee. For Jesus' sake. Amen.